Hello, I'm Radiobot QRM-42 Alpha, and my humanoid superiors insist that I resist the urge to do something far more productive, and inform you that you are listening to the podcast version of Athens 441. As if you didn't know that when you clicked on the icon. Honestly. Start the same music. The information to be transmitted starts as sound waves which travel through air. Here we go! You are now tuned into Athens 441. Now this program will be presented by Georgia Public Broadcasting.
John Lennon from back in 1970 with a song called Remember, which was included on what most people think of as his first official solo LP, the Plastic Ono Band record. I'm Joe Silva, and on this edition of Athens 441, which we're doing on the occasion of what would have been John Lennon's 80th birthday, we're putting together a special show to remember the great man's work both in and out of the Beatles. But uh, don't worry, this isn't going to be some sort of greatest hit show in the true Athens 441 tradition. We're going to feature tracks that don't get aired too often, if ever at all. And uh, to help me do that via the magic of Skype is my pal uh, Jason Neesmith, singer-songwriter with uh, the Athens band Casper and the Cookies, and a fellow Beatles, uh, I don't know, Jason, geek, Beatles obsessive, what would you say? Uh, I would say I'm a Beatles-based being. Some people are made out of carbon, and I'm made out of Beatles, uh, Beatles songs. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for asking me. Uh, we've, we've got tracks coming up from George Harrison, from Wings, from the Bonzo Dog Band. Uh, we've got an interview with Ken McNabb, author of the new book, And in the End, The Last Days of the Beatles. But next, we're going to listen to a track from Percy Thrills Thrillington.
You are listening to Athens 441. Oh, hey! That's it, Al. 
I'd say more bass on the earphones and more of the slide guitar and a touch less of the piano seems loud. You're listening to Athens 441. That was Bring On The Lucy, Free To People by John Lennon off of the Lennon Anthology box set. We don't know who Lucy is. It's it's a mystery. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Before that was Monkberry Moon Delight by Percy Thrills Thrillington, which is secretly Paul McCartney. <laughs> I'm not so sure how successful he ever was keeping that a secret. But that Lennon track, Jason, uh, the final version is on the Mind Games record. And, and do you know that album very well? I know it inside and out. I think it's severely underrated. I, there's some fantastic songwriting on there. Um, it's uh, It gets overlooked a lot. Uh, it's sort of it's, uh, it's in the C to C minus category on a lot of lists, but check out Out of the Blue. What an incredible track that is. Yeah, okay. Well, there you have it. Uh, next up here on the program, we've had John, we've had Paul, so the natural order of things means that the next track that we'll hear is from none other than the Dark Horse himself, Mr. George Harrison.
George Harrison from the Wonderwall album here on Athens 441. Uh, that was released towards the end of 1968, soundtrack to the film of the same name. And as it turns out, the first solo outing by any of the Beatles, actually. And uh, it's one of Jason's picks. Jason, do, do you have you seen the film? I have seen it. It's, it's pretty good. You know, a, a lot of soundtracks from... 60s icons were for movies that either you can't see or you watch them and they're they're not very good. But Wonderwall's a good movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, moving forward, uh, what do we have next, Jason? Coming up next on Athens 441 is the Bonzo Dog Band with I'm the Urban Spaceman. <laughs> was the Bonzo Dog Band here on Athens 441. The song was written by Neil Innes, who won an Ivor Novello Award. Did you know that, Joe? I didn't. No, no, not at all. That's a fairly prestigious thing when it comes to uh, music over in the UK. Yeah. Neil was, uh, was he loomed large in uh, both the Beatles and the Monty Python worlds. Uh, the Bonzos were in the Magical Mystery Tour movie, uh, of course. Um and Paul McCartney produced that track for them under the pseudonym Apollo C. Vermouth, which was not kept secret for very long and, in fact, shot the record to number one in the UK. Well, there you go. And speaking of uh, the Fabs lending a helping hand, here's something uh, that John did on behalf of his pal, Harry Nelson. Thank you. 
441.
Yoko Ono here on Athens 441 with a track called Run, Run, Run. Comes from the Feeling of the Space album released back in 1973. And, and Jason, this is kind of like really sort of Yoko spreading her wings. I mean, John's not really on a lot of this record, is he? Exactly. Yeah, this is, uh, I mean, John was very much involved on everything up to this, uh, up to this record. Uh the record before this is where Elephant's Memory comes in and she starts writing pop songs. That was approximately Infinite Universe. But this is where um, it's clear that nobody else is telling her what to do. This is all hers and it's, uh, it continues the feminist theme that she began on the previous record. Oh, okay. And and uh, what about that Nilsson track that she picked uh, before that, Jason, the Mucho Mungo Mount Elga song? That comes from the Pussycats record produced by John Lennon. And if you listen closely in the intro to that song, you've got a melodic snippet from Number Nine Dream and the guitar part from the instrumental track Beef Jerky. Wow. Okay. Deep trivia. <laughs> and next on Athens 441, we're going to hear from Mr. Ringo Starr. Two broken hearts, lonely looking like houses where no Nobody lives Two people each having so much pride inside Neither side forgives The angry words spoken in haste Such a waste of two lives Course in the decline in the number of husbands and wives. Two broken hearts, lonely looking like houses where nobody lives. Two people each having so much pride inside, neither side forgives. The angry words spoken in haste, such a waste of two lives. It's my belief pride is the chief cause in the decline. Number of husbands and wives A woman and a man, a man and a woman Some can and some can't and some Good. Mm-hmm. 
such a waste of two lives It's my belief pride is the chief cause in the decline in the number of husbands and wives It's my belief pride is the chief cause in the decline in the number of husbands and wives Yeah, give the drummer some. From 1974, that was Mr. Richard Starkey, a.k.a. Ringo Starr, here on Athens of 441 with a song called Husbands and Wives. That was written by Roger Miller, and it appeared on the 1974 Ringo album called Goodnight Vienna and, and it was tricky to find something Ringo, Ringo records are hard sometimes but uh, I really think that uh, uh, all of Ringo's sort of country tinged ballads that, that are near and dear to his heart I, I love the vocal on that I, I think he pulled that off really well I, I love it when Ringo goes country it's so natural for him absolutely now next up here on Athens 441 is our conversation with author Ken McNabb Ken's a Scottish journalist and author who's written a new book called And in the End, The Last Days of the Beatles, covers the band's chaotic year of 1969 as they were about to bring down the curtain on their career. I think it's the best book that I've ever read on that troubled period. And Ken was nice enough to chat with us not too long ago from his home in Scotland. This is Athens 441. Ken, thanks for taking the time to, to chat with us here on the program. Now, you, you've written about the Beatles before, and considering the fact that there are so many other Beatles books out there, um, how did you wind up uh, embracing this particular project? Was it was it about this period or uh, about the music in particular? Or what, what drew you to 1969? I, I, I did think that 1969 was a seminal year for the band. And I thought that, you know, as a journalist and a, a writer, you're always thinking, you're always looking to have a hook for something. And 1969 coming up at that point was a great hook to do a 50th anniversary type of project, simply because there were so many things happened. Then once I had got some kind of structure in, in, in mind, and, and, and agreed it within my own mind that it had some validity to it, then I thought, yeah. And despite the fact that it was a long time ago and there are uh, a lot of books out there that cover the Beatles in depth, you still wound up managing to find people that hadn't been spoken to about their, their connection with the band. I mean, the, the fact-checking, Joe, is horrendous um, for the reasons that I mentioned earlier that there, there is so much mythology, mythology attached to a band like the Beatles, um, and that mythology has just grown and grown over the years. Um, so I, I, I tried to speak to as many people as possible. I think I spoke to between 30 and 35 people who were, in a sense, Joe, they were eyewitnesses to history. And, and some of them are not, they're not famous, but they were able to, um, you know, bring something new to the project that I wasn't aware of, and, and I took the view that 
if I didn't know these stories, then the good chance that people who are either hardcore fans of the band or even just passing fans of the band um, would find something new in it. So that was the rationale. Could I could I write a book which contains stories and information that people didn't know about? And one of the biggest things that I took away from the book was your portrayal of John Lennon and, and just how all over the place he was in terms of his music, his art, his relationships and, and his connection with the band and what they meant to the world. Yeah, John John Lennon in 1969, Joe, is a, a chaotic figure in history, in musical, in musical history and, in a sense, youth culture history. Um, you know, I, I always think of him, Joe, as, as, um, as like a volcano trapped in ice, in the sense, because you weren't quite sure what John Lennon you were going to get. But with regard to John and Paul and George and Ringo, I actually, I, I think they were a, a true band of brothers, and I think they had a, an incredible love for each other, which, despite all the things that happened, uh, I don't think was ever really broken. Um, so yes, I think they were. I think I think they all loved John, and I think they were in awe of John's uh, aura and his presence and his charisma. Yeah, and one of the sections that I thought was really interesting that I don't think has has been spoken about in too much detail before was the time that. Um, John George and Ringo went to see Dylan play at the Isle of Wight and, and, and all the things that happened around that event. Yeah, it was fascinating, actually. It was a very good point. Uh, nobody's asked me about that. But I, I thought, I thought that to me, it was one of the last times that uh, uh, three of them actually attended the Isle of Wight Festival. Uh, John Lennon, George Harrison and Ringo Starr were all there. Uh, but on the Isle of Wight, I spoke to the promoter, Ray Falk, and, and he was great because he, he would tell you these stories that nobody was aware of before. For example, on the afternoon of the event, um, Dylan, Lennon, Harrison and Starr, would you believe, played a game of tennis in the grounds of the farm where they were staying. I mean, it's the most incongruous situation you can imagine. I mean, none of the Beatles were particularly sporty. I can't speak for Dylan. <laughs> but um, even, even the, the image in your head of three Beatles and Bob Dylan playing a game of tennis uh, is is bizarre in itself. <laughs> and, and to say nothing of the fact that they sort of cap the evening after the show by listening to an unreleased test pressing of, of Abbey Road that George has brought with him. Absolutely. I mean, can you imagine how cool that must have been, you know? Because Abbey Road wasn't hadn't, hadn't been released to the public. Uh, and, and as you say, George was carrying around a, a master tape and there would have been the usual post-gig party and yeah George slammed it on the turntable and before you know it here comes the sun. Now one of the tracks that was recorded during the period that uh, your book covers that actually has seen uh, at least right now has seen an official release is uh, Paul's demo of, of Goodbye that he wound up giving away to Mary Hopkins but at, he wrote uh, prior to um prior to Abbey Road and wound up just demoing it there while they were doing those sessions. Yes, Mary Hopkins. Um, it was Mary Hopkins who properly recorded it, but the McCartney demo is quite nice. Um, and again, you know, there are one or two songs of that nature, Joe. Um, so there are a couple. I mean, McCartney's a very prolific songwriter. He's got, he has a relentless work ethic, and that relentless work ethic 
certainly was visible in 
From the prefab era of the Beatles before they were even signed, that was a track called Cat's Walk that, I don't know, Jason, it, this sort of mysteriously appeared online uh, a few years ago. Do, do you know anything about It's a cavern rehearsal, right? That's right. Yeah, it was, uh, ni- it was 1962 and they were playing the cavern and this was uh, a rehearsal that they recorded there and never officially released. Uh, it's been circulated on, uh, on bootlegs or beat legs, as I'm told they are sometimes called. Mm, mm. Um, and uh, looking forward to the 2022 60th anniversary of there Cavern you, Club Sessions. That's what you, I wanted. There you go. So we are uh, quickly running out of time here on Athens 441. Uh, we want to play a couple more tracks for you. The next one coming up is I'm Losing You by John Lennon from the Lennon Anthology box set, where he's backed up by none less than Cheap Trick. Okay. We're rolling. Okay, you st- somebody counted in. Let's go.
I'm Losing You by John Lennon with Cheap Trick. That was from the anthology box set recorded during the Double Fantasy sessions, but uh, Cheap Trick did not get to participate in that album, unfortunately. Yeah, so what happened there, Jason? So they, they were at the sessions and then... What, well, the they produ- were invited the- in. They, the, I think um, Jack Douglas was producing them at the same time, and I, I'm not sure exactly what happened, uh, but... Well, what, the, what we could have had. What we got was great, but what we could have had. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, that's all the time that we have on this special edition of Athens of 441, celebrating uh, the life and the music of John Lennon. Uh, I want to thank my friend Jason here for uh, joining me on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Joe. It's always a, a pleasure to uh, hang out with you. You are welcome, sir. And you can find out more about Jason and his music online at casperandthecookies.com. Of course, we still remain alive and twitching at athens441.org. Please feel free to drop us a line or to hammer us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Our handle on all of those platforms is at Athens of 441. I'm going to leave you now with one of the tracks that, in my opinion, inexplicably didn't get included on the Beatles anthology as one of the, the new tracks that those guys worked on in, uh, in John's absence. I think this is maybe the best one. Uh, this is called Now and Then. Athens 441 is a QRM production produced in Athens, Georgia for Georgia Public Broadcasting. Production facilities provided by WUGA. Our theme music is by Elf Power. To get in touch with us here at the program, visit us online at Athens441.org.